Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. Got I got thrown off by Mike's notification on his phone. I got Yohapo, aka Lavender Gooms, aka Mike here with me. Hello. I got DJ Mark here with me. Sup. I got Kid Presentable here with me. Back again, folks. So some of you are wondering, how did I know it was Mike's notification? It's because the other two motherfuckers muted their microphone and a vibration sound came across. Hey, don't call me motherfuckers. I might mute my microphone. That's uncalled for. <laughs> well, you know, the instructions I, actually, and I get burned. I actually had my microphone muted, but I sensed you were going to come to me first. And then my phone went off. But maybe this was like a butterfly effect thing where because my phone went off, you actually went to me. I fell asleep like right at the beginning of what you when you started talking when the excuses came, Mike. Just right at the beginning there. So just fair enough. Let you know, um, boys and girls, I stand before you as the man who picked Henry Cejudo to go out there, and I, it went exactly like I said it was going to, folks. The fight started, and 32 seconds later, TJ Dillashaw was done. Nah, that's not what happened. But we had Henry Cejudo go out there and said, "Hey, you guys thought I was, you know." I, I peaked beating Demetrius Johnson. Nope. I'm going to beat the champion away class above me in 32 seconds. Um, a woman beater fought in the co-main event, and it was real boring. Uh, other stuff happened on this card. It was pretty good, quite frankly. We're going to go through all of it. Um, I plan on taking a pretty fat shit on the UFC uh, once Mark's done explaining how Henry Cejudo did his thing. So, Mark, let's go to you and break down. How? Let's see. The fight was thirty-two seconds, Mark. Let's see how long it takes you to break it down. Go. Oh yeah, no, I got I got some hot takes. Um, so I, I think you know the the biggest takeaway from this fight, and kind of what the law to talk about it is the stoppage. And um, you know, with only thirty-two seconds, I, I did want to push on a couple things that we obviously learned from this fight. Um, one, uh, yeah, you have to give credit to TJ for making weight and not. On the scales, not looking that bad. I think, obviously, in retrospect, I think you can attribute the extreme weight cut to um, his lack of being able to, to take a you know a good punch in this fight. Not not necessarily that that was the case of why Henry won so quickly, but I think it had to contribute when you diet and lose that much weight, especially when you look at TJ, who does not have a lot of fat on him. How you lose that weight is water weight, and there's some vital fluids that are cushioning your brain that you know directly help you you know, take, you know, brute punishment to your head without going unconscious. Um, and a lot of that fluid, I imagine, got sucked out of his head, making uh, one th- uh, 125. But you have to give credit uh, where credit's due for him making the weight. And you have to give a lot of credit to Henry. I think when we were breaking down this fight, uh, like Bobby uh, spoke about previously, we all took TJ except for Bobby. And I think a lot of us, at least for myself, you know, I can't speak for Stefan and Mike, um, my big takeaways were just that um, Dillashaw was going to come in bigger. He hits really hard. That's going to equate to him having a better chance to, you know, knock out Henry Cejudo. Um, but, you know, we couldn't, I think I overlooked a little bit um, Henry's 
um, increased ability or his improved ability to really have much better stand up. And really, it's his right straight. You know, in, in the last couple of fights where he's looked better standing up, it's because the dude has a really solid right, right, uh, right straight. It's basically how this fight broke down it's very quickly. Um, one of the things I took away from TJ's performance is he's still way too in love with his standing in southpaw and throwing a lead right hook. That was, you know, the kryptonite for uh, Cody Garbrandt. He threw in the second fight. He was just throwing that hook nonstop because it got him the victory in the uh, in his first fight, and, and it won him it won him the fight in the uh, in the second fight as well. However, uh, in this fight, he went for that same shot, overthrew. Henry kind of had it scouted. It got uh, you know TJ off balance. He kind of fell to one knee, and that's when Henry kind of slipped to the side and he landed a great right straight kind of to the back of the ear that um, you know broke TJ's equilibrium. Henry went on uh, to flurry. He landed multiple punches on TJ while he was trying to get back up. I have to look at it again, but it looked like it looked like when we were watching it that he might have dropped TJ t- three times total. Um, looking at it again, it looked like maybe the second time was more of a shove and not a direct punch. But the the ending sequence was basically TJ having you know gotten knocked down, taking multiple shots, trying to get back up, trying to get up once again. He took a uh, left hook that knocked him down to one knee. And, and basically how I think the the events played out was that he took the shot that dropped him for a second. Henry would continue to throw three more left hooks. The one following the one that landed didn't really land clean, but it kind of grazed TJ's head. And if you look at the replay, his because at that point he's kind of unconscious, his head does that kind of snap back. And I think it was at that moment, given where the referee was standing, that he mentally made that choice that I'm stopping the fight. Um, he just got dropped again. He took another punch from his vantage point. He might have been, might not have been able to see that it didn't land super cleanly, but he took another shot where his head got snapped. And I think at that point, the referee was like, I'm stopping this fight. By the time the referee was able to actually get in there to intervene, Henry had thrown two more punches that both the, the third one kind of hit the shoulder. The second one missed completely. At that point, TJ had started to go for the single leg takedown, but the referee had already mentally made that choice. I'm going to stop the fight at this point. And I think when you're in that position, I would rather have the scenario that played out here where, um, you know, after the fact, we're maybe thinking maybe it got stopped a little early. Maybe TJ could have survived. We've seen him take really hard hits before and come back. Um, But honestly, at that moment, the referee had already made his mind. I would have hate to have a scenario like we saw with Joseph Benavidez in his last fight where the referee kind of jumps in half-heartedly. One of the fighters thinks he's stopping the fight, stops fighting. The other one doesn't see it. They oh, continue wait, wait. to fight. That, that referee also touched a guy, which also means and the fight's over. Yeah, you that can't do a- that at all. But you don't want that scenario where you half-guess yourself, and it causes one fighter to, even for a moment, think that like, the fight's over, and they stop fighting because at that moment, who knows? They get knocked out, and they lose the fight because of your ineptitude to make the call and, and stick by it. So I'm glad the referee... When he, when he saw TJ go down that time, he stuck with his call, even though in hindsight, I think TJ, you know, he wasn't out. I think the, the margin that he was going to be able to survive and come back and win the fight was very, very, very minimal. Yeah. Um, you know, it was early in the round. Henry had a lot of time to work. I think if you look at how Cody knocked him down, he was kind of saved by the bell. I think the, the margin of him being able to pull back some kind of comeback victory was very minimal. Um, I think Henry, if the fight would have gone on, would have been able to basically get the knockout sequence or at least land some punches consecutively where TJ would not be able to. Yeah, Marcus, I think think the best way of putting it is pretty much 9 out of 10 times TJ's done. Pretty much. Yeah, TJ was trying to argue the single leg thing, which... 
while he was reaching for a single leg, that was also at the point where Henry had stopped punching him because the referee was in the middle of him too. So um, it was, I think, the, a good example. Luke Thomas's assessment, which I heard was he was saying it wasn't great, the stoppage, but it also wasn't egregious. It lived somewhere in the middle there. Um, Stefan, um, TJ Dillashaw, um, and actually the knockout kind of played out. The fight was a long time ago, but if you might have remembered, it's kind of what happened when he fought John Dodson, where he put him down, and TJ was kind of coming back. Um, it looked like he was trying to get up right as the referee was separating them. Uh, what did you think, um, I guess, of Henry's performance, you know, as short as it was, and were you okay with the stoppage? I mean, yeah, I'm okay with the stoppage. It was kind of, there was an earlier fight on the card that also kind of had a weird stoppage, where it's like, it's not that it was bad, it's just that, like, the moment you actually stopped it was not the moment to stop it like um i can't remember who it was but it's there it was the same situation they were down but they were kind of turning into it and defending at the moment you know they, they did an intelligent move at the moment that the ref actually was the ANSI? um it might have been that one where it's like it wasn't going to get better you know no that kid was the kid was fucked i thought it was yancy yancy was no, still yancy was at the end of the round and we were both like yeah he had one second left but he was getting fucked up Oh, that's what, yeah. Yancey wasn't. It was the Cerrone one. It's I think Cerrone it was. was yeah. That's what it is. It was good. It's the same. It's just how I saw it. Is he oh was yeah, gonna okay. win, but at the moment is when um, uh, Alex Alexander. I, I don't remember his yeah, last name, him. but I just remember he's Alexander the Great. He kind of turned in to that single leg. That was the moment that the ref broke it. It's like okay, now that he's functionally doing something is when you stepped in. But it's it's that it's that split moment. He decided to at the same moment that the guy turned. So it's again, I, I agree with that. It's it's somewhere in between. Um, yeah, he, he performed great. Uh, I will say I, I will disagree with one small thing Mark said. Um, my caveat when I made the pick was if TJ misses weight, I have the res- right to reserve or the right to change my pick because that was a real big concern to me. He made weight. I thought he looked fucking awful at the scale. After the scale, I thought everything. He looked way too drawn out. He reminded me of James Irvin. That, remember that fight where he looked like a yep. deceased corpse, a living, like, Heroin fucking skeleton up there, man. That's yeah. what I thought TJ looked. He looked way too drawn out. I'm like, you made it, but I think you look terrible, and I am very concerned about your perspective chances. You know, like, yeah. I'm not going to change my pick, whatever, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But, ooh, after I saw his weight cut, yeah, you made it, but I thought he might have been defeated there. And then also just with the gift of hindsight, it's like when Connor dropped his first, like, UFC fight. The hubris levels were getting pretty intense for T- Mr. TJ Dillashaw. Like... He wants a challenge fucking for the featherweight belt next. It's like, slow down, TJ. Like, yeah. you haven't even avenged your own losses yet. Yeah, that's Namely fair. being Dominic. So, like, it, it made sense, but I thought TJ looked terrible going into that fight. And I have zero interest in him running it back at 125. Well, yeah, well, we'll get back into what's going to happen from here. But, Mike, first, I want to get your thoughts. Um, Henry Cejudo beat the flyweight goat, went out or beat, if not the bantamweight goat, the second best bantamweight of all time and the current champion. What do you think of his performance? Were you okay with the stoppage? You know what? What, what do you What do you got, man? Well, you know, I think the stoppage aside, I think that he did pretty well. I mean, the the cakes and the pudding. I mean, he didn't allow TJ to do what TJ normally did. You know, get the distance, really use his footwork, and didn't allow TJ to, to dictate the stand up. You know, he got right into TJ's face. He was uncharacteristically aggressive. He was able to cut off the ring anytime TJ tried to go anyplace. And he really attacked him and got into TJ's face. And 
I think he looked really good. Uh, for me, I I think that Bre- I think it was either Brett Akamoto or Chael Sonnen after the fight uh, said something that I thought was very apt. That there's what they call a stoppage window. Um, a stoppage could be considered too late, in that maybe there were six punches that were let through that maybe shouldn't have happened, or it there's a stoppage where there's only one punch where obviously this is where that one fell on the spectrum. Um, for me, I'm okay with the stoppage. Um, TJ fell maybe three or four times when he was getting, uh, when he was getting rocked by, by Suhudo. I mean, he got um, punched 20 times in 32 seconds and his face after 35 seconds looked like it had gone through like a three round match or already where he was getting messed up so i think suhuda looked great uh you know i think i would agree with tj in that i would want to see the fight again maybe not an immediate rematch but i would like to see them fight again at 125 because as much as I think TJ is a sore loser and he whines and bitches, you a said twenty five, right? Just so we're yeah, clear, yeah, one twenty five. Okay, That's correct. Uh, he wants to do it. He's willing to do it. And you know what? He's the one that lost twenty nine pounds to get down there. Um, you guys say, oh, he looked like you know death warmed over, or more like I would say that. Um, but you know, you really can't say definitively that it's because of that weight cut that he got knocked out because he has shown a propensity of getting rocked at 135 as well yeah okay um my thoughts um on this one i i was okay with the stoppage i i do think it probably could have gone longer but it was by no means tj didn't get anything taken away from him which tj himself today seemed like he calmed down a little bit and it was like, hey, you know, he went on Ariel's show and he's like, hey, man, I didn't say I wasn't a sore loser. Um, I don't think they should fight again at 125 pounds because I don't think TJ Dillashaw deserves to fight for the 125-pound title again because he already got a shot at 125-pound title and he lasted 32 seconds. Henry Cejudo has nothing else left to prove against TJ Dillashaw at 125 pounds either because he beat him in 32 seconds. Um, if they want to fight again, the bantamweight makes sense to me. Sure. I'm going to be the one who says I want to see TJ Dillashaw fight the winner of Marlon Moraes and Rafael Sunsau. And I want Henry Cejudo to fight the winner of Joseph, uh, to fight Joseph Benavides. And we'll talk about Joseph's performance probably a little bit later. Um, I recognize um, the value, the, the money aspect of this and how this was a big success. And they got a lot of people to watch this fight and all that shit. And I'm going to go ahead and take a page out of um, Stefan's playbook here. Because years ago, Stefan came in this podcast and said, I don't care if this sport becomes mainstream. It does not add, add any further enjoyment to my experience. And I'm going to take that point of view and say, I want to see these two fight again at 135 pounds. I recognize it probably makes more money than other fights. But I don't care because to add to my viewing enjoyment, I want to see the 125-pound champion fight the guy who's very clearly the number one contender who fought an hour and a half before. And I want to see the 135-pound champion fight one of the three or four people who deserve a title shot right now, which I think that list includes um, Marlon Moraes, Rafael Asuncao, probably Dominic Cruz. He's hurt. Maybe it's only three people. That's me. Um, Stefan, I just gave credit for your, you know, 
your way of looking at this thing. But what do you think? I mean, I, I there's look there's looking at what's going to make money and then looking at what I want to see. And I want to see those fights. What do you want to see? I mean, that that just works. It's tough because in some divisions, you want it to be more sporting, right? You want them to hit the rankings because there's guys you feel deserving. You know, middleweight was logjammed for how long? There's all these matchups that should be happening, but we were just weren't getting them. I mean, but, a staff, not to cut you off, but in your answer, please tell me, what divisions even seem sporting to you at this point that's left? I mean, that's been gone. Again, you, you want it in the deep divisions, but in the shallow divisions, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, these are kind of shallow divisions. Is even the ones who are there, they don't carry a lot of name recognition. They don't they don't care. They don't bring a lot of eyes. And to it, that I, that's my other point, is I think it's something to do with their size. Uh, I just think the viewing public wants larger freak show fights when they see professional fighting but that aside yeah keep making super fights these divisions are floundering and in a way you can just you know if you want a storyline you could just say Sahudo is defending the existence of that thing you know like it he's in remember the titans mode that that well, div- that division keeps to exist as long as he keeps on winning man, you know what i'm gonna like they got a they got five hundred and fifty thousand people to sign up for this thing and i remember dominic and tj dominic and tj were the best rated fight card they had on Fox Sports 1, like, ever. Like, they did it, like, they can, these little guys can sell. Fucking Henry Cejudo beat the shit out of a plastic snake. Henry Cejudo went for full Kurt Angle with a medal no. around his neck. Mm. Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo went on first take, did a great job, quite frankly, to no. deal with those morons. Bob, they promoted the shit out of it. I think, it, t- Bob, Mike, is it one second. possible? Well, just one thing, though. Is it possible that the reason why those are the most highly rated ones, because those are the only title fights that were ever on free TV, besides Dude, the heavyweight How many fight. times did fucking Demetrius defend that belt on, on Fox? They made him defend that shit on Fox like five times. They made, I think TJ fought Barrow the second time on Fox also. I'm just saying, we just got this guy at 125. I'm not sure what else you look for in a champion, but Olympic gold medalist... I feel checks the box. He speaks fuck. He's Latino American. He's Mexican American, isn't he? Like the dude speaks the language. Let's let him run with it for a hot minute, you know. And Marcus, you talked about it. Um, we talked about it at work today when you said someone cared about a flyweight title fight. Maybe it's because he fought a guy who might actually beat him. Yeah, and you I know mean, what? Uh, Benavidez already beat him once. Yeah, my my biggest takeaway of the whole event and what I was most impressed with, and you have to be impressed with Henry, but it's really just the amount of buzz that they were able to create on this fight. This is probably the most high-profile, most cared-about flyweight fight they've ever had in the entire organization. And I think a lot of it had to do with them being on ESPN, the ESPN machine being very excited about this new product. But uh, I think, Bobby, the things you mentioned, too, or some stuff I noticed, Henry was really selling this fight. And I don't want to, you know, throw shade at DJ, but I think Henry is just a more charismatic champion. Like you said, Bobby, he's bringing props. He's playing into it. And you know what? They put him in a position to succeed, Mark. They put him in places you know he's going to succeed. Well, I mean, but not even entirely, though, because Dana was putting him up against the champion in a higher weight division. And, you know, you picked Henry, but I think a lot of people... Oh, I meant meant media media appearances. Sure, no, no, but I, I think a lot of this, and and I, I don't think this was Dana White's, like, master plan or whatever, but I think... The rumors that like, oh, the division weighs on Henry winning this fight. That's just a narrative that just brought more attention and excitement to the fight. And these are all things flyweights never had. What it's had was Mighty Mouse who just steamrolled everyone. And those fights were boring after 30 seconds because 
this guy is just clearly at another level and he's not going to do anything super crazy or risky until the last 10 seconds when he knows the fight's clearly in hand and there's really no repercussions to doing something crazy. But now we have a fight where it's like, I don't know if this champion's going to win. If he loses, the whole division might go down. The guy that's coming down to potentially ruin the division is acting like a bad guy and, and calling himself a hitman. I mean, these two really played their roles and they got the you know the audience excited. And I think it's just a lot of pieces of the puzzle coming together. And some of them I don't think were planned. Like I don't think Dana White's plan for marking this fight was to have this narrative that he's going to can the whole thing. And honestly, it, it's really weird because then at the end of the day, TJ is getting a lot of, sl- and a lot of people are like, "Oh, TJ is trying to kill his." Like, it's like, no. TJ, well, I think, I think people are morons, Mark. Also, he's not, yeah, but he's not like he's like he's on the boardroom. Like, all right, guys, I'm calling the shots now, and I'm going to beat Henry, and we're going to kill the divisions. Like, no, that's a Dana White WME decision, which you know didn't plan out. But I think all of this just built to more excitement and more interest in this fight than I think it would have. If it wasn't on ESPN, if it wasn't champion versus champion, I think a lot of pieces kind of lined in. And right now, what I think you have is you have both these guys that a lot of people know. And I agree with you, Bobby. I would like to see them stay in their their divisions for a second and get a title defense. And maybe do, you know, Henry comes up and fights at 135. I, I do disagree with Mike. I, I really, at this point, hey, TJ, you said you'd make 125. I didn't fucking believe you. You did it, but the results were catastrophic. So I don't really want to see him do that again. But I would love to see Henry at a 35. And let's, and I, I want to, because I, I do want to see more of this fight. I think stylistically they match up really interestingly and well. And I want to see these guys go some rounds. Because I think if Henry gets in a clinch, he could take TJ down and we could see a completely different fight than we saw in this He cuts one. a lot of weight too, Marcus. He cuts a lot yeah. of weight. He's missed yeah. before. So I, I think that'd be really interesting. I think right now my biggest takeaway is, man, a lot of people saw a very quick but kind of exciting flyweight fight. A lot of people know who Henry Cejudo is. He's a showman. And I, I hope he garnered some fans, and I hope there's more spark in this flyweight division. And I, that's something that hasn't happened in the division. I, I, I just want to say ever. I don't think the division's ever had this much heat. So, good um, on them. I'm going to do this is the part where I said I was going to shit on the UFC. Um, so, it was abundantly clear to me um, when the fight was over and with Dana White's comments that they very much wanted TJ Dillashaw to win. They very much wanted TJ. They very much wanted to put this division to bed. Um, Dana White's reaction to this car, to the thing, where like the stoppage was iffy for some people, and I think I saw a poll that said like fifty uh, percent thought it was just right, twenty five percent thought no, fifty percent said it was um, okay, it was fine, twenty five percent said it was good stoppage, and like twenty five percent said it was a shitty stoppage. And Dana White's first fucking thing was how horrible the stoppage was. He goes in about how horrible the stoppage is. And he goes in and he shits on the referee saying, I don't want local referees refing these fights. Kevin McDonald um, has refed a lot of fucking fights. Okay, Kevin McDonald has refed UFC main events before. He's an excellent referee. And if you don't recognize his name, because he hasn't fucked up yet. All right, that's why. Um, They have a narrative and he had a narrative in his head. And rather than after this fight, giving credit to what Henry Cejudo truly accomplished here, which was knocking out the fe- the bantamweight champion in 32 seconds and doing it, what, four months after he beat, maybe he, ba- he beat at the time the pound for pound best fighter. That, that is back to back what this man did. Um, he should be getting praise, not quite Amanda Nunes level praise, but he should be getting a lot of fucking praise. Um... And the entire, and like he muddied the narrative 
to the point that what the biggest story coming out of that night should have been only Henry Cejudo. That should have been what it was. And Dana White, who pushed this narrative more than anybody except TJ Dillashaw, okay, that somehow this motherhood, this dude got fucked, okay? Because let me tell you, even if he, he didn't get fucked. Maybe the stoppage was a slightly or was a little early. He didn't get fucked, all right? He got dropped like three or four times in 32 seconds. He got punched 20 times. Henry Cejudo, the fight started, he immediately punched TJ Dillashaw in the face. Like, within a second. I mean, Eric Albaracine, who is Henry Cejudo's head coach, deserves so much goddamn credit, okay? He went from his guy getting beat by Mighty Mouse. Was that the first round? Does anybody remember the first time they beat him? He beat him, <laughs> he beat him like in three minutes, all right? Uh, the first time he came back and it was a close fight, but he beat Demetrius Johnson. Okay. Then he goes out there and recognizes TJ Dillashaw is not so great going backwards. Cody Garbrandt started going backwards immediately, got put down. You get inside of TJ Dillashaw's face. You put pressure on him. It makes him a different fighter. Okay. He doesn't, his movement isn't as good. And Henry Cejudo had an excellent performance. The UFC goes out there and like it's like they cut off their nose to spite their face sometimes with this shit where they don't get behind guys because it's the guy they don't want to get behind. And they fucked up. They can't get rid of this division. The champion beat the other champion in 32 seconds. Henry Zahudo needs to get paid now and paid a large fucking sum of money. Like, this is also Henry, this is also when they were trying this is Dana White who during the Henry Cejudo, during the time where they wanted Demetrius Johnson to fight TJ Dillashaw, told Demetrius Johnson, well, TJ Dillashaw uh, really wants to fight for another belt. Like, he really, we really, he really wants this. And Demetrius Johnson had to tell them, why the fuck do I care what TJ Dillashaw wants? They have a plan here, and Henry Cejudo spit in the face of it by putting him down as fast as he did. And it was really the worst case scenario for the, for the, for the UFC who wants to end this division, which makes no sense to me. At all. There's 45 fucking events. They're making belts up. Here's a real champion. Get behind him. You know, uh, another way you know that the USC and Dana White really weren't in love with this result. Um, it's a pretty good indicator that Dana White isn't happy when he is nowhere to be found in the octagon after a result on a main event like this. Was he, I mean, not, was he not in the octagon? Did he even put the, he, he, he put the he, fucking belt think, on, did he? I think he put the belt on, but that was it. Because when Henry was asking, where's Uncle Dana? Uncle Dana was not around. Dude, I, I remember when remember when uh, Eddie Alvarez beat Michael Chandler and Bjorn Rebney was in the back just shaking his head? This was basically that. But Dana White had the comments as not to be caught shaking his head on camera. He waited till he got backstage. To... It's, it's just weird because I don't disagree with you that I think he definitely wanted TJ to win. It makes no sense why. It, well, I mean, it's just and not, not even like the logic of why he would want that particular outcome. But it's like you've been running this sport for like what, a decade at least. Like you have to know you can't control the narrative of a fight. You just can't. Like, shit's going to happen in there that you're not expecting, and you have to roll with the punches. And he knows that. He's put on enough fights and have crazy shit happens that he should know that you can't really just put all your cards in one basket because it just does not work out that way. And I agree with you. I think you just – you have a great champion right now. You have a fantastic guy who's charismatic, who's good in front of the camera. I think a lot of people can get behind. You have a really good prospect, and they still just kind of – it's it seems like – and I, I mean – I don't think they've ever said they never he's never gone out and said Bobby like we're gonna kill the division. People ask him and he's like, I don't know. But it's just like I don't know. No, why they, they, they just they just cut all the flyweights that are coming off losses because they can. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, and mm. that that's a good indication. It's just it's just weird because now he's like, okay, you have a champion who's now 
supposedly got a lot of eyes on him. A lot of people watched this fight. A lot of people signed up for your ESPN. I have to imagine ESPN's pretty happy with how this card went down. And they're I have to imagine they're happy with how the main event went down. I mean, look at it wasn't, you know, the barn burner fight of the year that, you know, maybe it could have been or maybe we hoped it would be. But you had a lot of people watch it. And it was a, you know, a questionable stoppage. But I agree, Bobby. Like, it, no one got screwed here. Like we mentioned, there is a slim, slim chance in hell maybe TJ could have pulled off some miracle. But it would have been a miracle at that point. It would have been some Pat Barry Shaq Congo shit. Yeah. That's so what it would have been. Yeah, it's just weird because this guy's awesome. I think Henry Cejudo is a great fucking champion. I think him his story is... Not only is it amazing, it continues to get more and more crazy. I mean, the dude jumped out of a flaming building not that long ago, and his medals went up in flames. And he's like, well, I got to get some UFC gold because this bro don't roll with no silver. Yeah, he, so. dude, he was wearing a sparkly jacket. I mean, Marcus, you made the point. How was he like, I mean, how do you like think you can control the narrative? I thought, Steph, I thought it was you who brought this up where you're like, when Amanda won, where you're like, they fucking didn't consider the possibility it looked like that Amanda might beat Ronda. Do you remember that shit? Where like they didn't know who the fuck she was almost. They like yeah. they, they don't they despite you think Dana would know what the fuck he's doing now, they just get behind a guy and they assume it's gonna work out that way. I mean, I, I can't express the outrage. It's what's new? What is new in this equation? What what is what well, is okay. the least surprise? No, it's just Dana, look at everything Dana does. He emotionally responds. He he never plans out a a PR statement, like let's say this the exact right way. He is always he's off the cuff, he's off the sleeve. He, he he's hard. He plays favorites. He again, like like Mark said, I have no idea why he chose this as a favorite. I don't know where I don't see what his mesh is with TJ specifically, but he he now had as always played favorites. There was Nunez, there was Francis Nagano. There are many times, <laughs> there are many many examples of a champion being disrespected by the promotional vehicle of the UFC because they are not the ordained favorite of the big brass. And that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, and, that, and that's a way that uh, Cejudo can make a name for himself with the public is, you know, it's a Steve Austin, Vince McMahon thing. Everyone wants to be the anti-establishment guy. Um, someone just needs to learn how to run with that whole uh, gimmick. I feel, Stefan, we got to give you some sort of credit for wedging Stone Cold into this conversation, considering that's what we were talking about three minutes before this podcast started. So, well we, done, uh, sir. Can we reflect on just how many of the current UFC champions uh, Dana White either shits on or doesn't really respect that much? I mean, All right, let's, let, let, let's go one at a time. Is he okay with Rose? For, Rose? He's uh, okay with Rose, right? I think he's okay with Rose. I guess, yeah. He hasn't harassed her about not you you have to be a real demon to like not like rose okay he's not that far i think i think he's okay with valentina he was really not okay with the last champion uh i I think we should count that as a he hated the 125 since valentina he hasn't said anything yet man we can't we can't he has she can't shit on val he didn't shit on valentina yet amanda nunez that's amanda nunez counts as two he they they have not they are so not behind Amanda Nunez. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The way he said she was the goat was like prying fucking teeth out of his mouth. So that's two out of four so far. Let's go with the dudes. Um, Henry Cejudo. I'm gonna go with disrespected. You guys okay yeah. with that? Okay. Yeah. That's three out of five. T.J. Dillashaw. It's his best fucking friend. So, I guess okay. right. Like I guess now all the for a guy who tried to start a fight, the guy who tried to start a fighters union for a guy trying to start a fighters union. It's impressive. Yeah, um, 145 pound champion. I think he has a problem with Max. We're okay with Max. Yeah, I think Max. Yeah. Um, what's after Max? Khabib. Khabib. There's no way he's okay with Khabib. 
I feel, after the riot. I don't he started. know. I don't know how he He made him a lot of money, though. His manager's also Ali, and for some reason, Dana bends over backwards for Ali. Maybe he's okay with Khabib. I mean, they, he, they got uh, them to retract on the cuts of Khabib's teammates. Yeah, that's, just, fa- that's, offended, so. that's fair. There, there, was some, say, there was some leveraging going on. I would say that one's a push because yeah. I'm pretty sure he would have preferred that Connor won and Connor was the champion. Well, we're just counting how many we're just counting how many he shit on, right? So okay. we got three. Okay. We got Amanda. We got Amanda twice and Henry. All right. Next up, my favorite one, fucking Tyrone Woodley. Tyrone oh. Woodley's been disrespected for so long as champion, and my count is five. All right. It is the entire reign and all the moments leading up to the reign. Anything that Tyrone Woodley did after he beat Jay Haran, I think he was happy with him when he beat Jay Haran. From that moment on, Dana White was shitting on him. I think um, Dana White is just mad that he's got way better hair than her. Um, Bobby Knuckles. I don't think Bobby Knuckles bothers Dana White. Bobby Knuckles may not Dana, Dana White may not know who Bobby Knuckles is. Right? Let's let's be honest there. Um, who's next? Is it Jones? Jones. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It can't be good. Then again, he moved the whole event for him. <laughs> like, I think you had no choice on that one. Steph, you muted yourself. <laughs> um, per what Mike said, Jones is a push. For yeah, the same, uh, it's the same it, he's a push for the same reason he's like personally. Fuck this guy, but shit, so much of our money is tied into him. We kind of need to do things. So uh, I'm gonna yeah, say he doesn't like the drug tests, but uh, at the same time, he needs him. I'm gonna say uh, he has not been good to Dan. He stripped Daniel Cormier of a belt like six months after he fucking like he defended it. it. Yeah, I'm gonna. Him, didn't, didn't Daniel let it go? Oh, Daniel had to let it go, <laughs> and then he called him. Then he called it. He called him overly dramatic, which isn't as bad as on the scale because he called Tyron Woodley a drama queen a few times. Um. I'm gonna go negative on uh, on, a, on, a, on a Cormier one because I got a narrative I want to push here. So I'm gonna say he wasn't good with Cormier. Steph, I'm what do you think? If you didn't, it's like well, okay. He only he only he really hates like four people. It's not that bad, maybe. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the this number is skewered because we're just talking about active champions. If we were to include former or one-time champions yeah, that he knows. hated and shit on, Jose uh, Aldo, Demetrius Johnson, fucking um, who was middle? Who, George Saint Pierre? What else we got? Steep. Oh my God, Steepe. Tito, fuck Tito. Tito doesn't count. Um, who else? It it might be a clean 50-50 of who he's good with and who he doesn't like. Like I said, none of this is surprising to me. And it's just like, I, I, guys, I, can't, I can't be outraged about it. We know who I, I, I just want to know which black champion they've ever had that things just went hunky-dory. Rampage? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> he did go on a Rampage. <laughs> rampage, Rampage, you have no excuse for either, man. Rampage. Uh, Rashad for that one fight he was champion. Carlos Do, Newton. Do you know how much he shit on Rashad when I was he shit on Rashad so many times. He shit on Rashad when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He told him he was fat and he was gonna be boring, and that was still on the reality show. Just saying. Honestly, I'm just it's been like another month. Has Amanda Nunes been on Ellen? When's that happening? Huh? Is that ever happening? Put her on fucking put her on the view, put her on whatever the other one is, the low rent view. With one of the sister sister girls, put her on that. Okay, give me on some, give me a man on some daytime TV. Right? Guarantee you, Paige Van Zandt ends up on Ellen before Amanda Nunes. Oh, gee, Amanda, I bet you this because Paige Van Zandt said she wants to fight in March, and that's gonna be on actual ESPN. Woo, she gonna be on everything. Paige is gonna be everywhere, guys. Don't I worry. Mean, Paige is already on Good Morning America last week. Oh. She was she was a fucking Good Morning America. Although, Page of- although in her defense, she was runner up in Dancing with the Stars, which is on ABC. So she has a built-in audience already. Well, okay. ABC owns ESPN, so she'll be there soon enough. Um, 
yeah, we talked about this fight a lot. Um, they want to do it again. I'm sure, Mark. I'm sure it'll be a great fight. I would just like to see yeah. some somebody defend. It's at 35, uh, and we get at least, I want a round, even if it's just Henry batting TJ around the. Right now they fight again. Around. Right now, just I mean, this isn't official. Right now they're gonna pick a fight again at 135 pounds. Who do you pick? I'll still go with TJ because he's my boy. Okay, Mark. I mean, Stefan, who would you pick? TJ's a bum, Mark. He's about to become a new Alistair Overeem for you. Hey, honest. Yeah, I got a lot of bums in the camp, all right? It's not like Eddie Alvarez doesn't get his head bounced all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, who do you got, buddy? My uh, my little jab at Mark isn't saying. I, yeah, I, I've, 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 I've turned. Um, I mean... Henry's yeah. not going to get slower. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get slower. I got Henry again because I picked him the first time. Mike, who would you pick? I would go with TJ. We got to see. Man I'm loses not, in thirty. Man loses in thirty-two fun. seconds. Isn't enough for Mike, huh? At least Mark's got a reason. <laughs> um, you. All right, co-main event. Um, That's funny. Uh, fight was real bad, man. Greg Hardy uh, and Alan Crowder. Everything else aside, they really didn't need to be in the octagon. It was like it was like when it was like when CM Punk fought Can I Mike Jackson. In? It's not like the other guy was good. No, yeah, it go wasn't ahead. that can, bad. Can I chime yeah. in? Because um, yeah. everything bad I have to say about this fight, I vehemently disagree with Bobby on. It was boring. It was a fucking freak show spectacle. That was exciting. I thought, I thought it was fun at, at the very level. end. Exciting I thought it was fun at the end, man. No, Sorry, go ahead. Everything in between. Because it starts with him just getting lit the fuck up. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, this, guy, this guy's got nothing. This is the big punching bag, as we thought he would be. But he's not going down. And then, oh, and then you see, like, at the end of the first round, you see Greg Hardy make these, like, two-inch stutter steps to the stool, and you're like, holy shit, he is gas. Holy <laughs> shit, this guy is about to have a heart attack. Like, he is Dada or fucking someone. Like, he looked awful in between rounds. You just saw, like, I've been that physically exhausted where your body is just not reacting, and we saw Greg Hardy achieve that. And then what did we see the punching bag do? He starts talking shit like he's a Diaz brother. Nothing was boring about this. This was the freak show it was supposed to be. It, it, this was They were masquerading it around as some type of credible fight of this being a co-main event. No, this was a freak show, and it played out like a freak show, and that's why Steph, I fucking loved it. Steph, did he look for a way out? Or was that an accident? Did he look for a way out? I do not think he looked for a way out. I think it was he was angry. I think he was frustrated because I think he knew how embarrassed he was. What was the first thing I said to you about this fight, Bobby? As soon as the fight started, they are muting the booze. They are like I could just hear the audio channels keep flipping. Like they were they were constantly getting rid of it. And sometimes it would flip back to the pure audio, and then suddenly I hear asshole. There, there was asshole. asshole. There was uh, fuck you, Hardy. Was another one. That was a good I mean, one. like I was like. I think the moment was getting to him. I think he didn't. He had never been on this type of stage like that. I think he knew he was supposed to be the favorite. I think he knew he was supposed to knock out the dude. And then all of a sudden, this guy is in it. This guy is clowning him now. I don't think it was an intentional, like, I need a way out. I know I'm doing this. I think it was frustration running over. I, I, it was, so, so you, so you but, think he knows? His, his whole defense of, I've never cheated in my life. I've never done anything wrong. Like... This is ask Tom, ask Tom Brady. Ask Tom Brady if he's ever cheated, Stefan. He told you. Ask, do you have Tom Brady's number? He lives around here, right? Or he's from around here? We might get it. Somebody might have his number. We might be able to ask Tom Brady if Greg so, Hardy's ever cheated. I mean, I just Remember? thought it was, a, it was a spectacular free trail fight, Bobby. And that ending, I did not think this fight was deserving of any of its attention. We barely wanted to talk about it at all. And I'm happy it played out the did. You know, I love the chaos scenarios in these events. I, I love it when we have to crack the glass. Enter the codes, turn well, the keys you know at the what? same time. And that's what this fucking was. 
Yeah, Steph, you know what? I want to give some credit here to um, what happened, some attention to this, where Ariel Helwani was on First Take because, you know, he works for ESPN. And I, re- I refer to First Take a lot. I know it's not a good show, but I'm, I go to the gym in the morning and that's what's on ESPN. All right? So that's what's happening. Um, they had Ariel on and Ariel said it was incredibly toned to put this motherfucker on the card. We all talked about that already, right? It was toned to put on the card. And Ariel's like, why, why is he even on the card? Like, what? He's... What is this accomplishing? And then Dana came on and he's like, oh God, this fucking guy. Well, he didn't curse on ESPN, but he's like, this guy, why does he always have to bring up this negative stuff? And they're like, he's given this bullshit about why Greg Hardy should be on the card. And I'm looking at everybody's eyes on the show, which is Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, and Molly Karam, who asks the questions normally. Uh, Stephen A. Smith has a look on his face like, I'm not buying this bullshit. Max Kellerman has a look on his face like, I'm not buying this bullshit at all. Molly Karam has a look on her face, which is, fuck this asshole. I'm definitely not buying this question. And it really made us nice when Dana's like, why is he always, why is Ariel have to bring up all the negative stuff? And Molly goes, I asked him the question. And then then he goes, well, you know, it doesn't matter what the question is. Why does his answer have to be like that? And then it's like, he acted like this wasn't going to be a fucking thing. And then like, I'm looking at the Washington Post you know, a real newspaper about the news and the world. And there's a big fucking article about how much of a piece of shit move this is. Like, I don't know. I refuse to believe this guy was so dumb. He didn't think this was going to be a story. I, I love that one of the things he tried to use as a defense of it was that, oh, well, I asked Rachel Ostevich if she had a problem with it. And she said, I didn't even know who he was. I I don't oh, have yeah. a problem with like, it. Like, like she got to yeah, fucking say. Like, <laughs> like the girl who's earning 12 and 12 is gonna tell her boss man what's wrong with you get this guy off the car like she's gonna want to be causing a problem i like that he said he's done his time he deserves to be redeemed i'm like he didn't do any fucking time he did none he bought his way out of this i mean a key thing to know about greg hardy if you're not familiar with his story the biggest i mean i can't say the biggest among many things people hold against him he's he has never seemed even an ounce of remorseful you know, like the redemption arc, we accept that for people who realize they have made a mistake, who acknowledge their flaw and commit to being better. That's the redemption arc. We have. Not the guy who denies, who says nothing. He's just like, no, next question, next question. That That's not the guy we want the redemption arc from. Um, so if you're not super familiar with the details, that's kind of a big problem in the whole Greg Artie arc. Yeah, he got convicted, by the way, people. He was convicted. They appealed it. And by the time the appeal came, he had paid off the victim. victim. Or there was an out-of-court settlement, and then she could not be found to testify in the appeal. And that's how he got off. So, you guys call him innocent all you want. But, you know, there's newspapers. And there's pictures. And there's, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, fuck this. Let's move on. Marcus, you had not seen my man, the best fisherman in MMA, Gregor Gillespie. I hyped him up for you. He went out there, acted ferociously with his grappling. Maybe not so much ferociously, but what do you think of his performance against a very tough Yancey Medeiros? Yeah, no, it was it was a good performance. He's a great wrestler. Yancey's not a great wrestler. So, I mean, ultimately, my takeaway was like, yeah, this is a good prospect. You know, Yancey's a tough guy to put away. Um, You know, he had to put work in to put him away. Uh, there was a lot of punches. It was a lot of ground and pound. We mentioned it earlier. This fight was... Uh, ended one second before the end of the second round. And like me and, Bo- me and Bobby were watching the fight, you know, I mentioned w- when you hear that that clicker for the 10 seconds and you're the referee, you have to take that into account that there's limited time left that, you know, you usually give the, the benefit of the doubt to the fighter that's maybe getting hurt a lot. You want to give him time to maybe reach that bell. 
even though there was only one second left, I think this was the right call. The amount of damage that uh, uh, Gegard was putting on Yancey at that point, that was a good stoppage. Even though there was one second left, I think it was a just stoppage. And it was a good performance from him, you know. I need to see a little bit more. I, you know, I'll, I'll need to see him against another wrestler. Like I, I want to see him against the guys like Kevin Lee and Al Alquinta. I think he's ready for top ten um, equivalent uh, uh, fighters, and I want to see you know just how his style matches up because I think stylistically this was a very good matchup for him. Yancey's not the greatest wrestler in the world, and his ground game isn't you know anything to write home about. So I think when you have a wrestler like Gregor who's going to be able to take you down and pound you out, um, you're going to have a pretty good night. Um, I- I'm convinced. I, I want to see him fight some good guys and really see I mean, how far he can go. Yeah, Marcus, 13-0, and 0, uh, 6-0 and 0 in the UFC with uh, one, two, three, five finishes in six fights, uh, two, four, two performances in the night, one fight of the night. I mean, it's time to see what this kid can do, huh? Yeah, I mean, personally, I was just, I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, this guy is top 10 talent for sure. Um, he matched up really well. Yancey had a great performance. You know, I just, I think at the end of the day, not to take anything away from him, I wasn't like, blown away his wrestling wasn't so great and i was like fucking habib you gotta work on that it's like no he's not quite there and he has you know he had decent stand-up and he had good ground and pound it was, there was nothing that really just like blew me out of the water but he's a he's a good strong contender and i want to see him against even tougher competition yeah um if i can chime in because uh definitely probably one of the top three moments of this card for me with uh involved this man um his post-fight interview of Hey, I don't know which one of us you were booing earlier, but uh, before you say anything, I'm going to lecture you about how you don't understand what you were watching. I love that. You don't really (laughs) understand how to appreciate what was happening. So I'm going to explain this to you. Okay. And then it's just to to be met with an even louder chorus of boos. This man has such natural heel charisma. I think he's just an earnest, honest, blue collar type of guy, but he has such a natural heel charisma that if he leans into this, he could be something. Exactly. He's like, no, let me explain MMA to you guys. Which everything he said was right. He's like, I'm trying to wear him down. <laughs> That's the best part. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's like, and then he talked about how he's gonna go fishing because he's the best fisherman in MMA. It's like Bob. You said you like uh, Daniel Bryan because he's just calling everyone out on how they're destroying the the environment. You're, that was incredible. You're, just, you're feeding the truth back to the public, and the public don't like that. And that's what I'm saying. Gregor's got some very natural heel charisma. If he wants to lean into well, it, he also got a bunch of his shit stole too. So it's kind of a yeah. Who's who was the asshole that robbed? Oh, Jesus Christ, people are fucking. <laughs> but like, it was like his gym bag and shit. I mean, I get like these are professional fighters. Maybe you can flip his like his jock strap and shit. as like, well, you saw fucking dude's sweaty draws well, and shit. <laughs> that was bad. I saw like Manny Pacquiao's house got robbed because everybody's like, well, he's on fucking TV. <laughs> no one's there. <laughs> no one's there, <laughs> like, and you know like, his entourage go. is gone. <laughs> Wasn't that like, like they Von Miller or someone got robbed while during the Super Bowl or something? Yeah, like, like you like, couldn't leave two guys? You couldn't pay somebody? Like, don't these guys have ADT? Yeah, what the fuck's no one's there? You know it was just one of the people who worked for him. <laughs> That's what it is. Manny's got like 70 people working for him. Mike, Joseph Benavidez, just Dustin Ortiz. We talked about him earlier. Man went out there, they asked him to beat to beat Dustin Ortiz again. Somebody beat about two years, two or three years ago. Being a Benavidez, um, has been and will always be apparently the number one contender to the flyweight title. I mean, what do you think, man? Went out there, got a win. Yes, there are there are a few constants in life. Um, death, taxes, and Joseph Benavidez will be the number two person in the flyweight division. Yeah, they asked him to go out there and beat Dustin Ortiz again, as he did a few years ago. Uh, I think he handled Dustin Ortiz pretty well in this fight. 
uh, controlled him pretty Ortiz, much. All. Ortiz made some adjustments though. Got a round in. He didn't get around yeah. last time. Yeah, he 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 lasted much longer than he did the last time. Um, but Joseph Benavides, as he uh, showed in his fight um, last year, uh, after a after a layoff, he's still the number one guy outside of the champion in um, in a, on the one twenty five division. And he beat and, the champion. And he's beaten the champion um, for the of the last six months. Um, it would be a shame if Joseph Benavides didn't get another shot. Because one thing we've been saying for years um, after he lost to Demetrius the second time was, well, the only way Joe B is going to get a title shot is if he has to keep racking up W's and hope someone else beats Demetrius. So that way there could be some new blood to that potential title shot. And this is his best shot. Hopefully He's 25 division doesn't go away because I think he becomes... Not necessarily a bad fighter at 135, but he'll become middle of he's the only, road. I mean, he's only lost to one guy that weight class. That's Dominic Cruz. Um, yeah, he's eight. He's eight and one. His only loss was a split to Sergio, which was real fucking close. Obviously, it's a split. Um, and uh, though honestly, I thought Henry had him the first time personally. But um, I, I just want to chime in before we move on to the next fight. The, the my big takeaway with this fight um, wasn't even what was going on in the octagon. Sadly. It was, I think, in the third round, we looked cage side, and there was a lot of bored people. And it's not fair. Um, you, you were watching this fight where Benavides and Dustin Ortiz are changing positions, like snapping, like sprawl to back to, to you know, like they're It was moving. a goddamn struggle, man. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're <laughs> doing a lot of high-level grappling. And we look, we look cage side, Dana's on his phone. These two kids are zoned out, like... I think that's kind of the problem with flyweight. Like there's a lot of stuff going on and, but they just can't capture the attention of the audience. And I noticed that in this fight, like, this is a good you, fight. Do you These think it was flyweight Marcus? It. Do you uh -huh. think it was just that type of fight though? Like, I mean, uh -huh. I don't know. There's other fights where like nothing. I mean, people were booing Gregor and he finished a guy in the second round. They I think like, I would talk that up to Brooklyn. It might be, it might, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not talking like I'm looking like bleacher nosebleed seats in, you no, know, it was the president of the company and his kids. The president and his kid, like, the, and they're just like, "When is this shit over?" And it's just like, "This is good stuff." Going, it's just there's there's an underappreciation. I'm glad Gregor went out and tried to tell everyone, "Yo, you're not appreciating it, right?" We just had a great matchup. My match do people do these people like MMA? Do they know kickboxing exists? I want to tell that sometimes. I'm like, you guys know kickboxing exists, right? It's like this, except there's no ground. It's what you want. I just saw <laughs> that, and I think that's what makes the main event even more special. Is like people really were invested, and here's this great fight with two guys. Dustin comes back in the second; he's winning the fight, and uh, Joe B has to come back in the third, and no one's no one's invested. Yeah, it's like all right, went four more minutes yet. All right, fuck those people. Um, Paige Van Zant, um, and uh, Rachel uh, Ostovich fight had a lot of attention, not for the reasons you really wanted to. By the way, if you're one of those people. And I know I'm not breaking fucking news here, but like anytime they should like on to UFC would post like a Twitter stare down or like a, a press conference stare down or an interview with any of these either one of these uh, young women or anything like that. Every fucking comment was about how much people want to fuck them. Like what's what's your fucking end game, man? It's Twitter. What do you what's going to work out for you here? Huh? Be less shitty, people like less shitty. Be, be, you can still be shitty. Just less shitty. Anyway, Mark. Um, this was not going well for Paige Van Zandt pretty much up until the 15 seconds before she won this fight. 
Yeah, no, I wish uh, Steph could have watched this fight with us because Rachel uh, was putting on a Dan Severn clinic for that first round and a half. <laughs> I was loving it. It was yeah, all it really wrestling. Was. I mean, I just I, I like that, you know, I mean, and that's Rachel's bread and butter. She's a she, she's a pretty good wrestler, but you see the um, the skill level kind of dropped off when she got on top of Paige. There really wasn't a lot of ground and pound. There really wasn't a lot of attempts to pass guard. There's just she doesn't have a lot of skills on top to kind of get in positions where she's going to be able to do damage or finish the fight. She kind of just got Paige down and she was chill just to stack up on top of her, put some pressure on her head. You know, she got in some she kind of had like a half guillotine at one point from it wasn't really nothing was really happening. Um, But Rachel was dictating the fight. She was able to get the takedowns. Paige wasn't able to do much off her back until she eventually did get this arm bar and the arm bar she eventually did win with it didn't seem super tight but when she actually went belly down it just had the right angle where her hips just pressed against the elbow and tweaked it and she she got the tap in you know it's just one of those fights where both of them seemed it, it didn't really tell us much right like i already knew rachel was a good wrestler yeah. and she could take girls down and i knew Paige, like stefan said breaking down this fight last week that Paige isn't really a great wrestler she's not great in the clinch and how is she going to win the fight? And it's just at the end of the day, it's like, well, we know Paige. She's resilient. She, she's resilient, <laughs> and she, she knows how to do some submissions. She knows how to throw her legs up and try to get a triangle on armbar. And Rachel just wasn't quite ready for that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't the most exciting fight in the world. But I did appreciate that. I got flashes of Dan Severin, so I can't be too bad. Um, Stefan, um, I'm going to connect this to the fight earlier in the evening. Joanne Calderwood beat Ariane Linsky. Lip- Lipsky? Linsky? I'm Lip- saying her name. Lipsky. 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 Um, I'm connecting it together because both JoJo and um, Paige said they want to fight uh, on the card on real, on actual ESPN in March. I mean, do you book that, do you think, that fight? Or do you think, you know, Valentina can probably just fight? Probably Valentina wants to stay active. Actually, you know what? They said Valentina's going to fight Jessica. I. Fuck it. What do you think of this fight? Jo- JoJo versus Paige Van Zandt. <laughs> Um, as a fan of JoJo, that's fucking fantastic. She whoop her ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I went against JoJo just because I, I, it was a young prospect who, uh, you know, my eyes got a little big for. So I, I wanted to see her kind of show what she was. And but JoJo, the one thing that did get brought up about her is she's really stabilized in her life. Um, we forget that she came in on a season where she was the number two seed, and she had a rough start in the UFC. You know, we we kind of had this. A narrative that she's a slow starter but she kind of said she had a lot of mental health issues going on a lot of personal issues a lot of incidentally camp and then she's she's found a home and i i follow her on instagram i i see a lot of her posts i i should have you know get paid it more credit too but she's having a general good time and you know she's not necessarily a slow starter she uses the range well i still think she's going to be susceptible to people who are better grapplers than her a uh, you know like a tatiana suarez's of the world but yeah so for her, it's a great stylistic matchup. Um, and hell, I, I have I have my doubts in Paige, but if she wants to stay at this, she's got a flying, you know, like crane kick KO to her name, so she's got some ability. Um, it it'd be an interesting stand up fight. So uh, I, I think it's a marketable fight if they both clear their medicals, um, which it seems like they would. Yeah, why not, Mike? What the What do you want to say about JoJo taking care of business? I uh, kind of uh, lost my connections. I don't know what was said before that. So I will. I'm just just looking for you to take credit for shit. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I'm pretty great and that I'm the only one who picked her. 
all of you um, didn't believe in JoJo. I was the only one that did. And I will definitively declare that the first plum pick of uh, 2019. So that, 2019 that, is going to be a lame ass year, basically. Yeah, I was going to say. So that that's the plum pick, that's not me picking. Huh? Not not am, me picking the guy I'm, who I'm beat. Retroactively a- declaring it a plum. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. You <laughs> you declare plum picks beforehand. That means yeah. you actually had the balls and you went out on a limb. That's not really much of a limb. Um. Yeah. Um. I don't know what to say about Glover versus Carl Roberson. Glover looked like he was fucked, and he came back and won. That was pretty cool, but I don't think we learned anything. So, you know, what I want to talk about is old man, straight out of Tombstone, Donald Cerrone, where as the week went on, I got more and more confident about this pick. Um, He was an underdog. Alex Hernandez has been turning a lot of heads. He's a great young prospect. Was he undefeated, Steph? I think maybe. Um, I it's yeah, no, war, sorry, yeah. 10 and 1, 10 and 1 beforehand. Um, he'd been fighting great. Um, fight we, and we know, and then I think, um, my rationale was I thought it was too soon for him. As the week went on, my rationale was, oh, this is gonna be one of those guys who just shit talks Donald Cerrone, and it has no effect on him, possibly having the opposite effect. And Donald Cerrone talked about it, and he specifically called out the Nate Diaz fight where he said, Nate Diaz made me angry and got in my head and I fought with emotion. He says, none of these guys are capable of doing that anymore. My better interpretation of it was because he also said Alex Hernandez had a lot of stuff to say when the cameras were on and said nothing when they were backstage. Donald Cerrone pulled this kid's punk card and was not intimidated by any of that bullshit about how Alex Hernandez is... How Donald is old and this kid's a new breed and he's going to kick his ass and blah, 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 blah. Quite frankly, Marcus, Donald Cerrone went out there and did what Donald Cerrone does, which is look like a fucking excellent kickboxer and put this man down, huh? Yeah, and it was also maybe a little slow in the beginning and Hernandez landed like a great clean shot and I was like, oh boy, this could be bad. <laughs> but, you know, he, he weathered that storm and he really got his offense going and he looked great in this fight. I mean, the ending sequence was a high kick that um alexander blocked he had his hand up that shin did well, not you, you mark credit to you you called that head kick for a good four minutes before it happened yeah, like, oh, head kick coming. i mean he, head he, kick he coming. That, yeah he was slowly setting up he was he was waiting for him to go in there he unleashed it at a great time and and alex you know he blocked it with one hand you know a, a lot of people will say you know when, when you block a head kick you should really get both hands up there but i mean the shin did not hit head it hit hand but the force behind it wobbled him badly, and Cerrone just followed up with great punches. And like we talked about earlier, the stoppage was one of those things where it was kind of like, oh, he's at the point where you stopped it, he was, you know, turning back to continue to fight. But Cerrone was whooping that ass for a long ass time. And that was, and this really wasn't that bad of a stoppage because of the accumulation of punishment that he took. But yeah, this is a great performance by Donald Cerrone, which, you know, I, I usually don't care or even discuss kind of post-fight whatever's because who gives a shit is my stance on it but he you know he said you know mcgregor would be a really interesting fight for me and i was like that that, that's a type of fight i really want mcgregor to take he's not going to take that fight there's no money in it for him and to mcgregor's credit he's on twitter that makes a lot of sense let's do it i hope that fight happens i think that's a great fight for both fighters um and he said it so respectfully he said it for a fight like that donald um, I'll fight you. Congratulations. Like, he was weirdly respectful. Well, Connor was very respectful all evening because even with the main event, he was like, TJ, 
you you had to cut a lot of weight. I've been there, brother. I know how it is. And he was like, he was very celebratory about the whole thing. Well, he also was like, you want to be the champ champ, but you're not the champ champ. Like, there was a little bit of that there, there a too. This thing, but it was like, it was more reserved than I was like, oh. For a guy you just called Snake and kind of like ruined his like social media career for like three years. You know what, man? I think he made, I, he made TJ more relevant than he ever was going to be. That's kind of true. To, TJ leaned into it too. Yeah, fuck. That fight sounds awesome. I told you like I was like when Anderson lost the belt years ago, I said, man, we can have some fucking fun now. There's so many. Let's have some fun, fights. man. Yeah, there's yeah. so many fun fights you can have with McGregor. And really, my, my, my concern is just like this guy wants so much money. There's got to be a belt involved, and a lot of the fights I want to see, I want to see him fight Gaethje and shit like that. And like, you're not gonna, he's not gonna fight. I will, I will say, because uh, Bobby mentioned Anderson, be careful about monkey pawing yourself, because yeah, we thought Anderson was gonna have a well, lot he was of too fun, old, man. exciting fights. It was not fun and exciting after after that belt went away. It, you got, know what? it got real sad after that belt went away, Bobby. So they tried, man. Just be careful with your monkey paw wishes. That's all I'm saying. They tried, dude. They gave us Nick and Anderson. Mark went up there and asked Dana White on stage. He asked him, "Can we get Nick Diaz versus Anderson Silva?" And then it fucking happened. Yeah. Mark was drunk and he still got it done. <laughs> In retrospect, I should have been. You know what? That fight sounds great, but it might not be as entertaining as we all think. Let's... You know, it wasn't that bad though. It was funny. Nick was like laying on the cage. So much more, but the you know what? I I wanted Michael Bisping versus Anderson Silva, and I got it, and it was great. All right, Michael Bisping got knocked out and still won. It that was incredible. Was there was a lot of time in that fight. Where you're like, well, this no, that was cool. a good fight, man. They just had a 25 minute kickboxing bout where Anderson stopped fighting at one point because he thought he won. <laughs> um, let's just do uh, the other shit happened too. Mike, you want to let's just give a shout out to our guy Dennis Bermudez retiring real randomly, but New York's own goes out there and gets a W and goes out. Hopefully, he's got a plan. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what his rationale is. I mean, there's not many people who win and then retire, and they're only like 32, 33 mm. years old. It probably wasn't getting paid dick. You can go get a job doing literally anything and it, get I close mean, to what he's making. That is how you kind of hope people retire is like, I won and I can just leave the sport instead of like the sport has chewed me up and spit me out. I'm in five small organizations I shouldn't be in. Shout out to Ken Shamrock. <laughs> Do we figure out if Ken Shamrock is fighting or wrestling Tom Lawler? Have we established? Wait, do we know? Because either way, I'm I might be more interested in the wrestling. I'll be honest at this point. Tom Lawler can work a little bit. <laughs> Ken wasn't bad either. Yeah, no idea. I hope it's a pro wrestling match, but who knows? Yeah. My lasting memory of Ken's wrestling career was the time The Rock had a chair and Ken did like bring it. And then The Rock hit him in the head as hard as I've ever seen anybody get hit in the head with a chair. And they did not put hands up back in 1997, guys. <laughs> Ken got walloped. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um, get out of here. Um, oh, wait, no. Real quick. Fedor's fighting super on quick. Saturday. Yeah, real quick. Super quick. I was going to throw that into the stuff I like. If there's a fight going on, it's not really important. We're not picking it, but let me tell you this. Me and Mike are going to be in Vegas, and I will be throwing $10 on Fedor because... Why not? Because yeah. sometimes it's just fun to burn money. I don't know. You know, I might flush the $10 down the toilet, or I might bet it on Fedor. It's 50-50 at this point. Um, he's fighting Ryan Bader. And also on the card is Aaron Pico against Henry Corrales. So I believe Henry Corrales might have fought for a belt. Dude, yeah, like, I that name's super familiar. No Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's because Bellator, man. They barely have – they can't even get, a, get separate pages for their events um, on fucking Wikipedia. Um, and then the former Jack Swagger from World Wrestling Entertainment, a.k.a. Jake Hager, 
is going to make his MMA debut. He's going to come out with uh, Ron Killings, a.k.a. R-Truth, rapping his music, which a guy from Oklahoma coming out to a black guy rapping is exactly what I think Bellator signed up for here. Um, I don't know. Stefan, do you think Fedor is going to win? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still confused that we didn't officially pick this, considering we picked the rest of the tournament up to this point. But now, that we? we're, now we're at the finale. We're done. Well, let's pick it then. Fuck it. Right. Go. Who do you got? Fedor. Because <laughs> yeah. if someone's going to close their eyes and get randomly caught by a haymaker, it's Ryan Bader. Mark, I believe earlier today I said if someone's going to jump into a punch, it's Ryan Bader. Uh, Mike, who do you got? Mike's just it's talking Skyline. to himself here. Yeah. Still talking to himself. There he is. Mike. Wait, we're actually picking this? We picked the rest of the fucking tournament. Stefan made a good point. You're, I want you to make an article for one on one fun fight. <laughs> hey, just because you dig yourself into a hole doesn't mean you keep digging. Dude, they're uh, fight they made a tournament here. Who do you got? <laughs> all right. Well, when I lay ten dollars in Vegas in a few days, I'm gonna bet on Fedor because, you know, daddy wants to win some money. But I mean, realistically, no. I'm going for Ryan Bader. You Coward. only jump into a fist. Coward. You only jump into a fist knockout once in your life. Okay? <laughs> he's, he's, done done. He, he's done it twice. He Wait, did it with against Machida. Also, he oh, did it against Machida too. He's already done it twice. He okay. literally said, "Fedor's not going to knock me out in America." Ryan he, Bader's fighting for America, guys. He's, all right, he's due to not do that dumb thing again. I'm going to pick Ryan Bader, but. Got a couple cowards, gonna... Mark. I'll put Fedor, I'll put money on him, but I won't pick him in something that has no consequences. Mark, who do you got? Oh, yeah, I'm not, Mike... I'm not crazy like stuff. I'm not going to pick Fedor to win. <laughs> but I got to say, that's a plum pick. If Fedor pulls him <laughs> I mean, we all know. We all joke about it. He, this could totally happen. I mean, Fedor could totally punch him. We all exactly out. see how Ryan Bader loses is the best oh, part yeah. of this. Oh, yeah. The best. We see exactly how the man loses when he's a minus 350 favorite. It's great. I'm actually surprised it's not bigger. I thought I, it'd be I, 400. No, you know what? I I because I think there's enough people thinking he might jump into a punch. I've seen enough, I've seen enough four and five hundred fights. That's kind of where I thought this line would have been. Yeah, me too, Steph. Bobby told me earlier it was three something. I was like, that eh, should be four. But... Yeah, honestly, I thought I thought for ten, betting ten bucks, I should wake make way more than thirty betting on Fedor. Well, honestly, it's, I... it's still Monday. You never know how the line will close on you know Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Um. So Ryan Bader for... on Friday, isn't it? Friday. I don't know anymore. We'll see. We got it. Well, there's a because there's a sports book in the on in the lot that down in it, it, the casino there. We'll take care of it. Um, all right, stuff we like. I'll go real quick because I'm hoping this goes quick. Um, Shit's Creek season five. I've been talking about how much I like that show. Season five just started. Two episodes uh premiere. It was excellent. Um, as I think I've mentioned before in this podcast, the premise of this show is that it's a super super wealthy family. Um, and they lose all their assets because their accountants all shady. And the only asset they're left is, um, a town. The father bought as a joke to entertain his son because the name of the town is Shit's Creek. So they live in the town and it's, you know, comedy, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. Who's is it the mom streaming from on Alone. It's all on, I watched it all on Netflix. I believe the first three or four oh. seasons. Um, but it's, uh, it's on pop TV, which I didn't know was a channel until, um, these guys showed up on it and TNA's on it too, for some reason or whatever. No impact wrestling. It's not called TNA anymore, but it's actually a Canadian show. It's made in, made by the CBC, 
Eugene Levy, his son Dan Levy, Catherine O'Hara, um, Chris Elliott. Um, I believe Stefan was a big Chris Elliott fan, if I'm not mistaken. Want to um, buy a monkey? What? Want to buy a monkey? That's all I got. There we go. Cabin there we go. Cabin That's yeah. all I got. Was it a handsome boys or something? Oh, handsome school boy or? modeling school. Handsome boy modeling school. But anyway, Chris Elliott is the mayor, um, and his name is Roland. Roland shit. I promise it's not just one giant shit joke. They really get through those quickly. But it's a really funny show, and season five just started. If you guys want to check it out before you cancel Netflix because they keep raising fucking prices, check it out on Netflix. Um, Stefan, what do you got? Uh, I got a couple things. Um, one, this might just become a trend where I now pitch an anime that I watched that I will not be able to convince anyone else to watch. But uh, Mike's here. <laughs> I really enjoyed this comedy series called uh, Asobi Asobase. Uh, oh, I watched that. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm say, I was, like, <laughs> I was, I was waiting. Like, I was waiting for the moment. The best joke Bobby's ever told. In <laughs> I, I knew. I, I've been talking. I've been thinking about doing it for fucking months. I'm like, I'm gonna drop one of these one great. time. Great delivery, Bobby. You could have fucked it up, but you nailed it. You literally just like, what the fuck? Well, there was a moment of silence where uh, Stefan didn't know what to do. He's like. What? I was, I was like, I don't know how to respond. And to it this. was perfect. It had a super me. Japanese name to it. Was like high, high school girls, like I can maybe see Bobby stumbling upon that, but some Japanese shit. Good job, Bobby. Please continue. Um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 not even high school. It's a uh, it's about three middle school girls who form an after school club. I cannot even describe why it's just super hilarious. It's the crazy animation styles, the drastic like over-the-top subject matter it's it's a comedy uh I, do not, I i i thought it was one of the funniest animes i've seen in years if you're adventurous check it out i took it i took i took a look at it in a total whim um something else i don't recall any of you ever talking about it um i don't know if i was if if it was on mentioned in an episode i missed let me know immediately but um i saw this star wars fan film called uh vader shards of the past it's on a Star Wars channel on YouTube called Star Wars Theory. Um, if you guys are Star Wars fans, I think you'll really dig it. Um, he had the blessing of George Lucas and LucasArts, I believe, that as long as he didn't monetize it, they would let him make this fan film. And it's a really cool quality. It's kind of taking a look at Darth Vader as a character in the in-between times. Uh, it actually underwent a recent bit of controversy because even though he had all these blessings, he didn't monetize it and everything. Um, Disney and Warner... Chapel, I believe their name is pronounced. Um, they ended up putting a copyright claim on it, and they monetized it, even though the whole point was to not monetize it. Oh, this I start, heard this part this, of story. It started a giant public outrage. They're like, I'm not trying to make money on this, but Disney is trying to make money on this now. And it was this whole big controversy about, and like everyone's validating, yeah, Disney doesn't care about the fan base. They don't care about the collection. This was a passion project, but they're trying to still nickel and dime everyone. But somehow LucasArts stepped in demanded them to unmonetize it and disney and warner chapel they pulled back their claim um and if george lucas wasn't already like the man of the people that you know the hardcore star wars fans wanted to be this really was just like this this was just the final thing needed um yeah i all this drama and controversy aside big business gonna be evil big business um i do recommend it checking it out it's called uh, vader shards of the past it's about a 16-minute film, but um, for being fan-made, it's super high quality, and it's like, this is what I had in mind when people used to talk about, like, prequel trilogies. Like, it's taking a look at, like, Vader in his heyday, and it's like, yeah, that's the Vader we want to see, and we've gotten a glimpse of it in, like, Rogue One 
and like the comic books that Mark was reading, you know, the Vader series, it was really fun for the episode, uh, the issues I stuck with and got to read, you know, it really fills in these gaps between the movie times. Um, so I know Star Wars has not been a cool thing to like in recent times, but this was something that was really fun and having grown up so much on like Star Wars, I'm like, it's nice to see the fan base hasn't become so toxic and jaded that there's still people who love the property and stories we grew up on. Um, and I think this uh, fan film was a cool homage to that. Right on. Mike. Before I get to my thing, uh, yo, Steph, you've been watching some weird shit the last two weeks. Um, this Asobi Asobasa and the thing the thing last week. The hell, yo, you I don't got, say, Hulu, you don't got Hulu or something on your shit? Like, no, uh, you, Rascal. You rating Netflix. Rascal is on Hulu. Uh, and also B is a crunchy role, I believe. No, what happened was it's early 2019. So everyone's best of 2018 list came out. And so uh, there's just certain names I kept seeing appear on multiple lists. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this on a total whim. Another one uh, that I didn't talk about because it's going long, Megalobox. Mark watched it. He might have talked about it earlier. There's a lot. That's more traditional shit. But yeah, yeah I'm Mike, going out there with the picks. Mike, to defend our, our boy here, I, I came on this show and said I watch a show where drag queens review professional wrestling. And Mark went out there and talked about a video game where you're trying to get your uh, 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 daddies laid. I, I mean, the, the, we, we breached. <laughs> We breached the weird thing a long time ago, and especially you, okay? You, motherfucker, where one day, folks, the lost episode might come out if I can ever figure out how to fix it, all right? Where Mike went off the rails, all right? But um, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll also say in my defense, Mike, remember how weird you thought when I uh, started preaching about Food Wars? Yes, that and is you're true. like, oh, three days later, oh, I watched the whole yeah. thing. Like, and, and, and here, anime's and here, fucking weird. So you you gotta have a you can't have a too high of standards and, if you're gonna. And here's the thing, stuff. I'm giving you shit over those last two picks, but because of the cachet you've built with me, because of Food Wars, I'm gonna check them out. I appreciate it, Mike. I appreciate. Oh, it. Yeah. Not, no one, no one's gonna watch my drag queen res- uh, review wrestling show. Fine. No. Mike, did you have something this week? Uh, yeah, while um, while Stefan is here trying to be uh, an an indie anime fan uh, with his pick, I will go with uh, I guess the Green Day or Foo Fighters version of my anime pick, uh, and say that I really like the Dragon Ball Super movie that just came out last week. Uh, I think I put in the chat. Um, this is an Oscar winner for best animated picture. <laughs> I enjoyed that, Mike. Uh, I truly enjoyed it. I watched it Thursday night, and I remember I had a fear. I had a fear that it was going to just be filled with uh, prepubescent boys or you know really nerdy teenagers. That didn't come to fruition. Um, it was a crowd I was hoping was going to be there that I felt way more comfortable with. Uh, Anime perverts. Sorry, go no. ahead. Uh, greasy, nerdy, 30-something, 30, 40-something-year-old 30 men, um, you know, dressed up as uh, their favorite Dragon Ball characters and dressed up not very well because ain't no one seen a gym in that crowd in at least the last 20 years or whenever their last gym class was in, uh, in high school. Uh, but you know what? That allowed for a very festive environment when the movie started. Uh, everyone started applauding when the movie started. Everyone started applauding again 
when the guy who was trying to uh, steal a seat in the movie theater got escorted out by security. Um, so there were a couple of applauses in the movies, some for actual things happening on screens, some for, for other things. Um, it was the first Dragon Ball movie that actually had a coherent plot and actual <laughs> fleshing out of characters. Uh, Stefan, I think you might agree with me that um, one thing you never thought in any Dragon Ball movie was, man, I don't really know if I want this, uh, you know, the the main bad guy to to to, to lose. Like this is like this I was, is cheering, a- I was cheering for Brawly. I'm like stupid pre like always stuck as a child Goku. Just lose already. I'm tired of Goku. I was all about that Brawly hype when they gave him like the pet animal. That he held on to dear. Yo. I'm like, oh, this is a much better character than Goku. Yes. Um, one thing I really like is the fact that um, this is actually considered a uh, canon uh, as opposed to the previous 19 Dragon Ball movies. So that's uh, it's going to be really exciting to see what happens with the next um, series that happens in Dragon Ball Super. Uh, besides that, I actually started watching the uh, Fire. Th- Firefest documentary on Netflix that premiered a few days ago. I'm about a quarter of the way through, and yeah, it's as ridiculous as uh, as people thought it was going to be. Um, the things that they were trying to do at that Firefestival that all of it actually ended up being a huge scam. And um, at least from what I've seen so far, either Ja Rule, who was one of the Firefest co-founders, uh was in on the scheme or he is one of the world's biggest fools and i'm sure 50 cent would agree i don't know the name of the documentary so i, I can't tell I, I was i was trying to wedge a where's jaw reference in there but i really couldn't <laughs> come up with i really wanted to you know it was jaw rule at a time like this um marcus what do you got this week yeah uh won't talk too long uh big game this week and i I talked about it at length uh last week so i'm not gonna go into depth uh resident evil 2 remake is coming out on friday um as you guys are listening to this podcast now the reviews should be out i'm anticipating a pretty good review score i really enjoyed the one shot demo that uh i talked about last week yeah so very much looking forward to resident evil 2 um i guess the main thing i kind of discovered this week that i really enjoyed is a youtube channel called uh cjr and it's spelled s-e-e-j-a-y uh a-r-e so it like spells it out um and it's just a really wholesome channel this is uh basically the channel revolves around this guy's video game collection that he's been uh cultivating over the last eight years and i got i i stumbled upon it because he had his kind of room in review where he kind of basically walks around his finished basement that is just a fucking fantastic video game collection i mean it is really something to behold and uh, he basically says at the beginning of that video that everything in this room he um has bought through money that he's gotten going to garage sales buying games flipping the ones he doesn't need keeping the ones he wants for his collection and uh just seeing his room was really cool and then i just started watching he has a bunch of videos where he goes out to garage sales and he's canadian so i'm gonna say haggles with uh air quotes uh these people because he just basically just always asks them is 20 bucks good and they're always like yes because they're canadian they're not gonna haggle they're so nice um it's just really a a wholesome uh youtube channel because when he goes out on these garage sales, he goes, he has two young boys that are like 
I don't know, like six and eight. One of them has like a, a GoPro on his hat. So it's really kind of cute to watch the camera of these kids go to these garage sales and they like run to the, co- the toy cars and they're playing with toy cars. And at one point they grab a big binder of pogs and they're like, what is this? And his dad's like, oh, they're pogs. And like, what are pogs? And they're like, it's a game I used to play. And it was like, what? And so it was really fun just to see that stuff. And then he has, I mean, I, I want to be careful about how I say this. He has a friend, Matt, who I don't know if he has, um, you know, a mental disorder or is just kind of slow, but he's just one of these guys that, you know, obviously he has some kind of mental problem, but he's just like a super happy-go-lucky, nice, chill-as-fuck dude. And they just go out on these little shopping sprees to garage sales and they find some really awesome shit. I mean, as you would imagine, and there's a lot of channels like this um, on YouTube. People go dumpster diving and shit like that. I just... I really like this guy's uh, kind of tone. It was just very wholesome, fun, and he finds really cool shit. Um, and that kind of led me. I was kind of watching all these videos, and then I saw one of the channels that we've talked about many times uh, uh, here on uh, Things We Like. Uh, up, Up, Down, Down had a video with AJ Styles where they went to uh, AJ Styles' home and saw his collection. Bobby, did you see that shit? Yeah, AJ's collection's cool shit, man. Uh, his collection's <laughs> cool his house is bum as fuck. I was so disappointed, Bobby. His collection. Yeah, I, honestly, I thought so too. I'm like, why is his like? I'm like, where? I mean, he had a huge yard. I'm like, is his video game section just this corner? Okay, like, for a dude that is like, you know, he's a very fucking rich. I have to imagine wrestler, and he loves video games. And you see this video is like, we're gonna see AJ Styles' a home video game collection. It's like, and literally, I just watched this dude from Canada who made this fantastic room out of just flipping shit for eight years i have to imagine dude with serious cash is just gonna blow it out and basically in this really small room he has four cabinets and steph you know he's got a neo geo because that's ballish shit and mark knows his shit um he has a main cabinet and he has a player's choice and here is one other cabinet and then across from that he has like this little tv stand with a uh, crv tv he's talking about like my wife hates this tv because it's old as fuck but I can't play my Dreamcast on a HDTV. It don't look right. I have to agree. Marcus, that was, that was a man who has a video game collection, but he also has a wife and four children. Yeah, and I and think, things come. And, I, and I, I like this shit because I can resonate with it a lot. And Steph knows we live together. Bro over here had three C- CRV TVs. I couldn't, I, like, I was like, I had them going out of everywhere. Bobby, you don't remember how fucking heavy these TVs oh, used to be. So heavy. <laughs> oh my God. It, it would be like, a 14 inch and me and Mark are like double teaming it. Like what, why is this TV full of bricks? Like, <laughs> and, we, and we kept moving them, man. I, I, I understand why you would have a kinship here, Mark. Yeah. But Marcus, did you see, did you see the one uh, on that channel where they visit this guy in Australia? I think his name was the last gamer. Oh, uh, I, I, I saw pick. That's more of what I was kind of, you got to see that guy. looks like he, he has a fucking blockbuster set up yeah, in his no, house. And, just and, fucking... and the guy that I watch is very much in that same vein. Like they have like a whole giant room. It's just wall to wall with every game you can think of. Um, but just, just to finish with AJ, this pathetic room, he has his art. <laughs> That's, you know, and then you think like, okay, and he's like, I'm going to show you all the other, because he gets, you, I've seen him buy a lot of cool shit. None of it's on display in this, this broke ass room. He's putting all his shit in. He's like, let me show you my collection. You don't think it could get fucking worse. It gets <laughs> worse. This is an unfinished like pantry closet. Uh-huh. It is the great, this is the, this is like the hider room you hide bodies in. This is not where you put your fucking favorite possessions. And so I have to. I want to give some benefit of the doubt. I imagine AJ 
Styles. He's on the road a lot. The house he's in right now is not his forever home. I have to imagine at some point, maybe where he's he's really gonna you know hang it up and call it quits and just right off into the sunset. He'll get a dope ass mansion with a real fucking game room because shit he was showing was whack as fuck. And I'm like. Xavier Woods, did you know how whack this shit was before you made the flight over here and taped this shit? Because and to be fair, Bob, he had some he had some really cool stuff in his fucking little uh, death den. I oh, mean, I I think this is just the reality is of dude's been married. He's got four fucking kids, and you know what? He has to find a small place for his shit because kids aren't gonna break I, it, I and he has a, he has a dad's because it's like if I'm and, making if I'm pulling in the bank, he is. I can be like, look it. Well, she gotta raise the four kids, man. Yeah, it's just it was it was it was. <laughs> He's there two days a week. <laughs> After watching this guy schlub it for eight years and has this killer ass room, I go to AJ Styles. Dude's rolling in it. I know he's bought some cool ass shit from Super Potato. I'm looking to see great displays and this this fucking room barely <laughs> barely standing there. And, and literally, yeah. there's one point where they're looking at Jaguar games, and the cameraman can't even show it because he can't get the camera to go down that low. So I'm just seeing Xavier Woods' fat head. You're like, oh shit, is this Alien versus Predator down here for Jaguar? I was like, I'd love to see that shit, but this room's so whack, I can't. I'm so. Not Ma- Mike, real, real quickly, Mike, how many minutes after this podcast is over are you going to be looking this video up? <laughs> I'm going to be finding it pretty quick. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put it in our group chat while we were talking. Mark, please go ahead. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Mostly Resident Evil. Uh, CJR has a really fun channel. If you kind of, if that, if that shit kind of interests you, just the weird shit he finds. I, I watched one video where he found two Chrono Triggers, two Final Fantasy sixes for Super Nintendo. You don't see that shit every day. I do like every time AJ mentions the Jaguar, he talks about how terrible the system is. It's true. You, you and he's literally he literally bought another system with all the games on like like a mo- like a month or two ago. He'd lose cred <laughs> if he was like, I had to get this Jaguar because this shit is just so lit. It's like, okay, then you don't know good shit. No wonder why you put it in this weird death closet. It all makes sense. <laughs> he has that. He looked like he had a thing behind his door, like you know those things you can hang. If you have like a small setup and you gotta like you want to put like your shoes in because you like you're in an apartment with people in the pantry room to put spices and shit in and he's got like some of the dopest Famicom games in there and I'm like bro you gotta doesn't he have like an unopened Duck Hunt or some shit like he he has some unopened uh Mike Tyson he had like Mike Tyson punch out punch punch out cartridges that were just bomb as fuck and they're in like the and oh my god when he's pulling out this unopened. Mike Tyson punch out. He has it like in this special box. And he has you know what, people? I'm going to go ahead and post this on It's Some Amazing Twitter right now while Mark is talking. It's going to be hard not to watch it. A geek, I know this plastic bag he got, Bobby, is from fucking Free Comic Book Day because it literally says Free Comic Book Day on it. So I'm like, he's not even getting like a special bag for it. He's just putting it in a Free Comic Book Day bag. It's like, AJ, oh, bro, you got to step it up. Get a display case. That made that was I saw it and I remember thinking the same thing. I'm like, I gotta tell Mark to watch this. Good thing you found it yourself because I'm like, what? You know, AJ's a cool guy and they talk about video games. It's fun. It's just like I expect AJ a little more. AJ's AJ's yeah. It was interesting to say the least. Um, all right, guys, we we'll back next week. We're going to preview something. Um, Mark is gonna talk about how um. Marlon Marais might be a better fighter than Rafael Sunsau, but the fact that it's in Brazil means Mark has to pick it. He has to. He's got to. He's got to pick uh, Sunset to win, right, Mark? Oh, I mean, he's he's just, logically, that dude always wins. He, he's got. He's got the judges in the pocket. So, I just, you know, I was at. Uh, I just when I was Sunset's last fight, I was at when he went and said, "I know I don't get finishes, but man, I won a lot of fights in a row. Can I please get a title shot?" And I, the whole crowd, literally was just like, "Yeah, man, fuck, 
Let's get him a title shot. <laughs> he keeps winning. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll be back next week to talk about that. Also on that card, Jose Aldo versus Hanata Moicano. Jose Aldo's the underdog, actually. Lyman Good, Damian Maya, Charles Oliveira versus David Tamor's on the card. Look, honestly, this is better than the pay-per-view that's on a week after some of these fights, to be honest. They probably could have sent some of these fights to that one. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, I was Dr. Law. Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Lavender Gooms was here. Peace out. See ya. Bye, guys.